ahead and take your Bibles tonight, please, and let's turn back to Isaiah chapter 40, um, verses 25 through 31. And for our guests tonight, and kind of just for all of us, really, because again, they tell us that we remember about 10% of what we hear. And uh, so that means you got about four minutes this morning of a message, okay? Buried in your brain somewhere. But, but we, sometimes when we go over stuff, it reinforces and helps us. And this morning we talked about the fact that, that we are broken people. We're just a broken people. I mean, before Jesus comes into our lives, sin has just broken us into pieces, and, and we live a very broken life. And then we turn, and God seeks us. We don't seek God. None seeks God. But, but we turn, and there is God, and He offers us His rich salvation through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But the bottom line is, and here's what's... I don't think we get this really. And I said this before a couple, three weeks ago. I'll say it again. We needed a Savior. Good place to say amen. We needed a Savior. But we need a Savior. See, the need for Jesus didn't end the day you trusted Him as Savior. We need the gentle shepherd. We need the Lord. We need the, the God of grace every single day in our lives. Because we live in a broken world with, with broken bodies. And we have this thing called free will that stills there. And I, I sing the song, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the Lord I love. Take my heart, God. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. There's this thing in us that in our brokenness, and, and, and there's a good brokenness, and that when we're broken and, and, and poured out before God, but then there's this brokenness we have when we live life outside of God's will, when we choose to rebel against Him, when we doubt, we have unbelief. That's a brokenness that, well, that's pretty tough. And we live, as believers in Jesus Christ, we live sometimes in that broken world. And when we get there, it causes us to look around and say, where's God? Because so often, in that type of brokenness, we go, where's God at? Where's God? It doesn't seem like He's close. We're like that kid in the store. You know, Mommy, Mommy, where are you? You've got to have heard that before. And you can hear the cry of desperation. Because the one who loves, the one who protects, all of a sudden can't be found. And fear fills that child's heart. And that's how it is in our broken world. And what do you do when you find yourself in a broken world? What do you do when you can't find God? What do you do when you go to your quiet room and you pray and God doesn't seem to show up? Or you read His Word and you might as well be reading the Reader's Digest. Or, or you face circumstances in life and you find yourself filled with fear. And we said this morning, first we look up. We look up. The heavens declare, we didn't use this verse this morning, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory, the majesty of God. And, and, the, and the Scripture this morning said, man, listen to God. He's the one who threw those stars out there, and each star has a name. And if God can name stars, He can watch over you where you are. So for the first step for some of us is simply to look up. A lot of us, all we need in our brokenness is to look up and say, God, you've got to be there for me because I see those stars if you, if you can do that, what can you do in my life? But the truth is, sometimes that's not enough, is it? And that's when we learn to look around. Look around. Our circumstances will talk to us. Um, had a phone call this afternoon, a great com- conversation with a lady, and I shared how I'm wrestling with some things in my life right now. But you know, often we, we find ourselves in circumstances, and our circumstances sometimes need and will send us a message. Sometimes God uses circumstances to speak to us. And sometimes that message is this. Come home. 
come home. We're like the prodigal son who, who wandered away from his father to, to cash and ran. And he goes and he squanders all of that, blows it all on wild living, has to get a job, and then ends up being a pig farmer type guy. Is that me? Is it my battery? No, my battery says I'm good. You want me to get the other microphone? I like so, so we find ourselves in, as we look around and our circumstances are saying, come home. He, he one day came to a census and said, hey, everybody back at home has got it better than me. And so he went home expecting a chastening father who wanted nothing to do with him and found a loving father who greeted him, hugged him, and I even said it, he kissed him. He kissed him. Totally blew the son's mind. Now the son said, I know I've sinned against you, father. And then the father stopped and said, wait just a minute. Get the robe, get the ring, get the shoes. And kill that fatted calf. Because my son that was dead is now alive. Who was gone has come home. So if we'll let our circumstances, they can sometimes speak to us. We find ourselves in a financial mess. We find ourselves um, sick and hurting from, from life itself, from a, a sick heart, a sad heart. We find ourselves in despair. Those circumstances will speak to us. And sometimes, by the way, they're not even circumstances of our fault. But God will use those circumstances to bring us back. Again, if you've never been to Africa, in those dark nights of Africa, the stars glow tremendously. So sometimes we need to look around. And that's still not enough. Sometimes we have to look inside. We have to learn to look inside. Because sometimes, let's face it, we're just stubborn. We just don't get it, okay? And, and one time Jesus was doing some teaching, and folks didn't like what he was saying. So the Bible says from that point, many of them no longer walked with him. And Jesus looked at the guys and said, the, the twelve, and said, hey, are you, you going to leave too? And Peter said, he said, well, Jesus didn't know something. Where would we go? Where would you go? You alone have the words of life. And we believe that you are the one from God, the Holy One from God. Peter said, you know, we may not understand what you do sometimes. You know, this blood, eat your flesh and drink the blood thing, it's kind of hard to understand. We not always even, you know, appreciate that. But Jesus, we know this. Our bottom line is you are the Holy One. And you are the, if you don't mind me saying, the only game in town. There is no other God to follow. There is no other one. And, and the challenge this morning was, where are you running to? If you choose to run from God in your brokenness, if you choose, where are you going? I mean, force Gump ran for three years and ran everywhere but went nowhere. Where are you running from God? So that's kind of what we learned this morning. Okay? We look up, look around, and then look inside. But then I want to talk tonight in, in Isaiah 40 and some other scriptures, of course, as we always do. You know, the tendency is when, when, we, when we find ourselves in this broken world, okay, we have a tendency to blame. Have you noticed that? But often, often we blame others. We live in a generation today that it is never our fault. If we're in debt, it's not our fault. If we're in a broken marriage, it's not our fault. If we're in an adulterous affair, it's not our fault. You know, no matter what it is, we live in a generation today, and it's in the church, where it's not my fault. And in brokenness, we have a tendency to want to blame others. But here's the crazy part. We have a tendency to blame God. Come on, right? 
We have a tendency to question and to blame God. And that's where our Isaiah 40, 27 scripture comes in. Here, here's what God says. Jacob, why do you say, and Israel, why do you assert, my way is hidden from the Lord and my claim is ignored by God or by my God? So, so God is saying to Israel, to Judah, and saying, why are you saying that I'm turning my back on you as if you had nothing to do with it? Now, let me pause here just for a moment and tell you why this is so appropriate. This is a time of brokenness for the nation of Israel. Isaiah is writing to Judah, okay? And Judah, some of them, a lot of them are already in captivity with Assyria, okay? And they're experiencing a punishment. They're experiencing a kind of brokenness there, okay? And they're kind of wanting to say, yeah, God, but if you'd done this, and God, if you'd have done that, God, this wouldn't happen. And we find that out in the first 39 chapters of Isaiah. But starting in Isaiah 40 and forward, we hear God in redemption. We hear God of hope. We hear God of restoration. Okay? And what's really cool is, is while he was writing to Judah, because he uses the words of Jacob and Israel, he's writing to all the 12 tribes. He's looking forward to a time when the nation of Israel would be thrown into captivity in Babylon. And one day, they would come home and God would restore them. And I'm glad to report tonight that God is a restoring God. Amen? Amen? So, so when, we, when we're broken like this, and we want to point our finger at God, God, if you'd have done this, and God, if you'd have done that, we blame. And there's no better scripture in the Bible that talks about blame than Genesis chapter 3. Now, y'all know the story. Don't need to tell you the story. You know, Eve's there, and Satan comes along and says that God really saying, da-da-da-da-da. She ends up eating the fruit and gives it to, to Adam, and he eats the fruit. And they get all afraid, and they're hiding. And God comes walking in the cool of the garden and says, Hey, Adam, Adam, where are you? And that's where we're going to pick up. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Where are you? In verse number 10 in Genesis 3. And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said... Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman. Ah, the woman. Ever since Genesis, we've been doing this. Okay? The woman. You know, it's all her fault, God. Okay? You know, she, you see, she, she gave me the fruit. And therefore, it's her fault. But here's what I love. Watch this. The woman... Whom you gave to be with me, or who you gave me, she gave me the tree and I had. See, not only God, not only one was the woman involved in this, but God ultimately, it is your fault because you gave me the woman. That's what we do. Don't we do we not twist it all around so that somehow it all points back? Well, see, God, if you've done this, I wouldn't have had the affair, God, if she wasn't so good looking, and you gave her looks. You know, you know, God. You know, God, I would have been in debt if that nasty old credit person hadn't given me the credit card. And God, you ordained credit cards. Come on now, amen? We twist it around and we want to blame God. Okay? Ultimately, it comes back to that. Now, now watch this. The blame lies at the door. You know, have you ever heard this before? For every finger you point out, there are three pointing back. The blame lies at the door. Now, I'm using scriptures. There's no scripture in Isaiah 55, uh, uh, Isaiah 59, 1 through 9, 1 through 2. Listen to this. Behold, the Lord's hand is not short that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy 
that it cannot hear. So what God says is, he says, well, guys, listen, listen, listen. It's not my fault. I'm God. I am all-powerful. I'm all-knowing. I'm omnipresent. I am God. I don't change. My character will not change. I am holy, and I am just, and nothing's ever going to change that. Listen, my hand's not shortened. I've not all of a sudden lost my power. I've not all of a sudden had gone to bell tone and get a hearing aid. You know, I'm not defective. But your iniquities, say your iniquities. Your iniquities have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. God says the problem is, is that you in your broken world, you have sin that has not been dealt with and that has broken fellowship. You don't lose the relationship with God, but you lose the fellowship with God. And even in this broken world, God seems distant because the fellowship is broken. Now come on, you've been in the room with your wife before. You messed up or she messed up. You're still married, but in your same house. But man, you need to get an ice pick going to get any kind of conversation. Even though you're sitting in the same room, it's like you're thousands of miles away. And when we have unconfessed sin in our lives, that's just how it is with us and God. Our fellowship separates us. And we want to blame God. Now here's the crazy thing. We wrestle with this. Remember this morning, I had the eagles. There's no doubt in my mind that this morning, 60 or 70% of the congregation had a broken part of their lives somewhere. Somewhere in their life, there was something that they were dealing with and wrestling with God about. Or in an area where they felt distant from God. But like the eagle that was broken and put back together, we looked good. We did such a great job of hiding our pain, our suffering, and our sin. In fact, I've been waiting to do this all night. I want you to raise your hand. Are you ready to look at Okay. How many of you have sinned today? Raise your hand. Good. That's really, you know what? That's incredible. Let me tell you a story. Because we probably have. But you know what happened? Well, let me tell you a story, then you'll see. I'm in a pastor's conference. Okay? I'm in a pastor's conference. And the guy gets in there and he's talking about sin, you know, about confession of sin. And so he goes to, there's like a thousand pastors there. He said, so how many of you pastors have gone today, uh, and let's see, I'm getting this right now in my head. How many of you pastors have gone today and not sinned? Gone a week and not sinned? Not a pastor raised hand. He said, how many of y'all in the three days have gone three days without sin? The dude got down to one day and six pastors raised their hands. It was incredible on the flip side that they said, you know what? We're so carnal, we can't go. And amazingly, we often go, I haven't sinned. I haven't sinned. But understand that, that when we gossip, when we backbite, or we're doubtful, or we're full of fear of we have unbelief. All those things are signs and sins in a broken life. And here's what John said. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. The biggest step to coming out of a broken life, or part of your life that's broken, is to confess sin. God, I have a problem. God, I have a problem. 
If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make God a liar and His word is not in us. So, the first step rather than blaming God is looking at your life. Is there any area in your life today, any area in your life today that you know there's a simple condition and you need to confess it? You cannot have intimate relationship with God until that is resolved. And you need to constantly say, God, is there something, is there a relationship? Is there a habit? Is there an area? God is helping me stay in this broken condition. And then we confess it and turn from it. Did you get that? We've got to do more than say, God, it's Dwayne, and I'm sorry again. Whoops. We've got to turn David's word, right, word repent. When, repent means to be going in this direction and turn around and go in the opposite direction. It's saying, God, I confess that this is a sin. You know it's a sin. I'm telling you, I know it's a sin. I remain in that sin, and I turn in this direction. And when you turn around, guess who you're going to meet? God. You're going to meet God. You're going to meet the loving Father that wants to say, I love you. It's incredible. It's incredible. Now, in Isaiah 55, 6 and 7, these words. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he, God, will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. So if you look at your broken life tonight and you know there's some sin there. Come on, guys. You know there's some sin there. Now, in this Sunday night crowd, probably not a porn habit. You're not up at 11 o'clock while, while your wife's in bed looking at something you should be looking at. And I always say, it's the sins of the heart. For a group like us, a senior adult group, Wednesday, our Sunday night group, it usually is a sin of the heart. Bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, jealousy, envy, those kind of things. But understand, those kind of things will hold you in a broken condition as much will lust and other things. Amen? So we got, come on, come on, amen? amen? I'm telling you guys, listen, 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 I'm going to say, this is so life-changing. And by the way, remember what I said this morning? I'm with you tonight. These are things I'm working through in my life. I need to re-understand, God, that the smallest thing, when I, when I talk about one of you, okay, and not to God, but to someone else, it's, it's gossip. When, when, when I'm back and you know, say, do you hear about so-and-so? It's gossip. When, when I look at what you got and I don't have it and I'm jealous, it's a sin. And that will keep us separated from God. It will keep us in our broken world. Confessions. There's one more thing, and this isn't the only two, but it's two I picked tonight, that will keep us in our broken world. And that, that, is, that is hurt and lack of understanding. Thank God sometimes do things you don't understand. I mean, when, when God chose to call George home, when he did, he kind of but God, need him? But God, you know, my sister-in-law, you know, died. I'm sure my brother's going, but God. And lack of understanding of God and, and lack of, of trusting God can keep you in a very broken world. Amen? It is so huge that you understand something. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. 
You will help get out of your broken life when you understand you serve a very big God. Do you understand the power of Isaiah 55, 89, which I just read? The reason he says, my thoughts are your thoughts, is God is so much bigger than us, we can't get our our arms, our hearts, and our minds around just how big he is. And I'm glad we got that big of a God. Amen. I'm glad of that. I'm glad of that. I'm glad, God, I'm glad that sometimes it seems like you're doing a crazy Ivan. You're turning left all of a sudden. Oh, my God, I'm glad of that because I can trust you. You don't make mistakes. You're perfect in your character. And, God, I just know this, that even though I don't understand, I know that your thoughts are not my thoughts and your ways are not my ways, but I can trust you because you're not. Because you're in Isaiah 40, it says this. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Yahweh is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never grows faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. You understand the majesty, majesty magnificent power of God in this? Trust him. Trust him. When your heart is broken in circumstances that you can't understand, when, when he gets the raise and you don't, when he gets the position and you don't, when things don't go like you want them to, just say, God, I don't understand. <laughs> go back to Jesus. Jesus, this drinking your blood, eating this bread thing, it's not a way to grow a church. It's driving people away. But Peter said, where we go? You alone have the words. God, I don't understand. But God, I am choosing to trust you. Come on. I'm choosing. And when you turn and choose to trust Him and turn, guess who you're going to find? God. You're going to find God. And He's going to take you by the hand and lead you back home. It's incredible. It's incredible. In closing, this part closing, there's one thing I want you to take home. And six to one, some of you are going to go, yeah, is that all you got? There's one thing I want you to take home. We serve this incredible God of restoration. He is so much about redemption, healing, forgiveness, and restoration. That is his heart and his passion. For the ones who are lost, that's his heart and his passion. But it's also his heart and passion for the ones who are living in a broken part of their lives. He loves us. Listen to this. Isaiah 40, 29-31. He gives strength to the weary. Any weary folks here tonight? He gives strength to the weary. He strengthens the powerless. Youth may faint and grow weary. And even young men may stumble and fall. But those who trust in the Lord. Now that's the Holman Christian standard. The New King James, King James, John says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. There is a God who wants to take you and hold you up when you can't stand by yourself. There is a God who when you no longer are strong enough to walk, that wants to pick you up and walk with you. There's a God who loves you incredibly and just turn around and you'll find him. There. Amen? You'll find him there. I know I've missed a string of Wednesday nights with 
with Moody Conference and, and Vacation and Sunday Convention come up not this week, but next week. But the last one's now I was with you. I said something that, that stuck my heart, that, that, that pricked my heart. I read to you Matthew 11, 28 and 30. Here's what it says. Come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. All of you, take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And here's the question I asked. Does that describe your relationship with Jesus? Does that describe the kind of relationship, fellowship you have with Jesus Christ? Do you see him as a taskmaster? Or do you see him as this wonderful Savior who says, Are you tired? Are you trapped in a broken life somewhere? Is there some area of your life that's got a hold of you and you just can't lick it by yourself? Come to me. All ye who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take this yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm humble and meek and humble. That's the kind of God we got, guys. And I'm telling you what. Again, I'm not sure how honest we're willing to be, how transparent we're willing to be. But I bet all of us at one time or another have been this broken part where God seemed distant, seemed so far away. And you're like the child in the Walmart store, Mommy, Mommy, where are you? Where are you? When you find yourself there, turn around and walk into the arms of Jesus Christ. Because he said in Hebrews 10, 13, I will never leave you or forsake you. Amen? Father, thank you tonight for the privilege of sharing these truths from your word. Father, first, I want to say something. I, I, before these people and you, I want to thank you for their honesty. How many pastors, Father, would ask that question about sin to their people and not a hand would have gone? I thank you for a congregation that understands, you know what? Today, probably, somewhere along the way, I stumbled. Thank you for people of Father, I pray if, if somewhere in our hearts that sin has led to a broken place in our life. There's anger or jealousy or bitterness. There's someone in this world or in this church that can't handle God. Father, there's a place in our lives when we just can't trust you. And we're broken sin might be there. Help us to abandon whatever doubt or lack of understanding may have us back. Forgive us, Father, in the times in life when we want to blame you for our sin. Blame you for our sins. 
so glad you're a gracious God. A Godfather who says, come into my oasis of grace. Get out of the desert of brokenness. Come into the oasis and drink deeply of my grace. Thanks, God, for your word of this day. In Jesus, I pray for precious could you stand your feet, please? Just bow your head right there with your head. It's been a pretty good day at Dorsville. God's Word is, is powerful. The worship has been incredible today. Now, tomorrow, we've got to go out into a real world. And the things that we're battling in our lives, that may be a broken area in our lives, they're waiting for us outside those doors. And we just need to determine tonight and right now that God, the bottom line is we're going to trust you. Now, when I get to my quiet time tomorrow, and if you don't seem close, I'm still going to pray. I'm still going to trust. I'm still going to pray. And if the text doesn't jump off the page at me, I'm still going to read. I'm still going to trust. I'm still going to read. And tomorrow when I get to work, and that guy I work with is such a jerk, even though he taxed me, I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to love you. We, God, are going to find you by turning around. We're going to leave our broken areas, our broken lives, by trusting you.